Let's learn how to travel light. It's uh, sometimes tricky navigating Christmas season, but it's also tricky navigating this journey that we're on. That's what we've been looking at, that this world is not our home. We've been invited into a kingdom where Jesus is showing us the way to an eternal kingdom with him. And so we sometimes are carrying a lot of baggage that's making that journey difficult, heavier than it needs to be, and we've been figuring out how to let things go. So today we're going to look at a tough subject. And I thought mostly it was going to be tough for you, but it's tough for me. And uh, that's because I never thought of myself as a controlling person. I'm really kind of easygoing until I started studying this message. It's like, oh my, I've got this thing bad. Today we're looking at letting go of control, letting go of control. I want to invite you to participate a little bit just in case you're the kind of person that you like to kind of see your story through to your future, and you kind of know you'd like to plan and make sure it all goes the way you'd like. How many of you love that kind of control? Raise your hand. All right, all right. Some of you are not really honest, are you? Let's try that again. Let's just make it easier. Is there an area of your life that you love to control? All right. Why are some of you raising your neighbor's hand? It's like... Wait, if you're thinking this message is really good for her, um, I want us to think this through again. And that's kind of where I was coming from. This is really good for you, but then the more I looked at it, the more like, oh, this is really important for me, and I'll share some of those things with you in a moment. So if you're thinking, yeah, I'm not really a controlling type, here is a couple of thoughts for you. I'm really not controlling. I'm just aggressively helpful. I'm really not controlling. I'm just thoroughly organized. I'm not controlling. Maybe that's you. But I want you not to listen today for him or her or somebody that's not even here. You think, oh, this is really good. I really need them to listen to this. I want you to listen to it for you and think that through a little bit. So we're going to start with this question. The question is, what do you do when your life story takes a turn you can't control. What do you do when your life story takes a turn that you can't control? Now, interestingly enough, what we're going to do is jump into the Christmas story as it's beginning with Mary, the mother of Jesus, in an announcement that comes to her, and it's an announcement that just kind of pulls the carpet of her sense of future out from underneath her because everything changes with this announcement. And so we're going to jump right into the Gospel of Luke, chapter 1, verse 26, as we read how an angel comes to a young gal and changes everything in a moment. And her life just is like, hits this spin point where it's like, I thought I was driving straight, and whoa, I don't even know what. And so let's read this together. On the screen for you, I'm reading it from the NLT version. 
Verse 26, in the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, that's a story that happens just previous to this. Elizabeth is a relative. She's very old. She does, if you're familiar with the Old Testament, she does kind of a Sarah routine at a lower level. Old lady having a baby, it shouldn't have happened. But God is showing how he can do impossible things and he's going to up the ante and do even more impossible things than that. And he visits with Mary, who is a virgin. Verse 27, to a virgin named Mary. She was engaged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of King David. Now, those are not superfluous details. Those are important details because it fits it solidly into a history because King David was a thousand years before Jesus and there were prophecies since before King David about a coming king that would be a Messiah. And then with David, it's going to be a coming king that's in the line of David. And now this Messiah, this king, is being announced as arriving to this little village girl And this is what we're reading about. To a virgin named Mary, she was engaged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of King David. Gabriel, that's the name of the angel, appeared to her and said, greetings, favored woman. The Lord is with you. Confused and disturbed, Mary tried to think what the angel could mean. Now, this tells me something about Mary. She did not think she was some special person. She thought she was just an everyday, regular village girl who already had a great life ahead of her planned out. She was already engaged to be married to a wonderful man. She's thinking it's going to go along this line. She's going to enjoy life the way her parents did. It's all kind of going smoothly until this moment. And then an angel shows up. Of course, I don't know if they make noise, you know. But I don't know how big they are, but it... They freak people out generally, so later on he has to say, don't be afraid, and he says, greetings, you favored one, the Lord is with you. She's going, what? She's confused and disturbed with me. Angels only show up in history, and she's got her Bible, the Old Testament that she's grown up with many times in pivotal moments in history where he's doing massive history-changing things. Angels show up and speak to important people, and she's going, what? And she's confused. She's just an ordinary village girl. Confused and disturbed, Mary tried to think what the angel could mean. Don't be afraid, Mary, the angel told her, for you have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you will name him Jesus. Jesus means God saves. And this Baby is going to be called that. He will be very great and will be called the Son of the Most High. So in addition to being called God saves, he's the Son of the Most High. Not the Most High person on earth, the Most High. There's only one Most High, and we'll learn in just a few words that it's the Lord God will give him the throne of his ancestor David, And it's going to be the son of the most high, the son of God. We'll jump into that a little bit later. Skipping to verse 34, Mary asked the angel, but, 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 she didn't stutter, sorry. But how can this happen? I am a virgin. In the uh, text, when we're not trying to interpret what the text says, she says, how can this happen? I have never known a man. That's a Jewish 
ancient Jewish way of saying, I've never been with a man. Now, maybe if you read the Old Testament in an older translation, you have Adam knew his wife Eve and had a son. So, no, I've never known a man. I am a virgin. I've never been with a man. And she's putting two and two together. You're going to have a baby. How can this be? I'm a virgin. And she has just been T-boned in her story. She had it all figured out. She's going down the life's course this direction. And now the angel shows up and says, you're going to be pregnant. And she's going, how am I going to explain this to Joseph? How am I going to explain this to my parents? How am I going to explain this to my friends and this tight-knit community? I mean, like, what am I supposed to say? Well, actually, it's not like that. An angel talked to me and said, try that one. So she's really spinning, confused and disturbed, not just at the angel announcing this confusion, this disturbing feeling is continuing as she's spinning in this, whoa, what? I'm going to be the mother of a child while I'm still a virgin? She is trying to figure out what this all means. The angel replied, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the baby to be born will be holy and he will be called the Son of God. So a lot of people have trouble with this. Oh, come on, really? A virgin birth? I mean, we know science. That's not how it works. Wait a minute. Let's just talk about virgin creation. God says, world, world. God says, if you believe the first verse of the Bible, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. If that's not too big for God, it's not too big for God to say, I'm going to create a baby within you without the normal science of things. And she's going, okay. (laughs) And how do I explain this? And so, now theologically, just so that... Not that we need to understand it, but it helps me a little bit. My mind just gets blown with this. Adam and Eve were human beings, the first created pair. They blew it. As a result, all human beings and all of the created order has been under a curse. Part of that curse as human beings is we're just like Adam and we're just like Eve. We want to do things our own way. We want our story to be going the way our story would go. We want to connect the dots and be our, our own determiner of how life will be. And... We end up ignoring God and sinning to run our own life and do our own thing and please ourselves. God says, you can never live with me forever unless we take care of that. So he sends a second Adam, but the second Adam can't be the son of Adam and Eve because the second Adam would then be tainted by the same cursed human nature. So instead, he's going to make him fully human, but the divine son of God untainted by the curse of the first Adam. And so fully man, fully God. Did you know that the first heresy in early Christendom was that he couldn't have been fully man. He was just sort of appeared like a man. The first heresy wasn't the other way around. He couldn't have been God. The first heresy was he couldn't have really been a man. But now we see, no, he was really human and really the son of God. Fully human fully God. That's why God put it together this way, as a virgin birth through a human mother. Hmm. Now that we got that all cleared up, 
We totally understand. No, it still goes, how does that work? Mary doesn't understand either. Just put yourself in her shoes. It's not like understanding was even explained. She just has to go with, really? And now what? Well, let's skip to the now what. Verse 38, Mary responded, I am the Lord's servant. May everything you have said about me come true. Wow, this story is just like going way too fast. Can you imagine this tailspin of her mind as everything's going out of control and she's just thinking through, it's like, ah, where is this going? I have no idea where this is going. This is really scary. But then she halts the out of control by simply saying, I am the Lord's servant. May everything you have said about me come true. And then the angel left her. I like the sound effects. I don't know that it really made any sound. It's just he's there and then gone. And it's like, what does that do for you if you have just had somebody supernatural say all this? It's like, whoa, this is like really going to happen. Crazy. So I want to just revisit verse 29, and you're gonna, I'm going to include you to participate in this. So verse 29 reads, confused and disturbed. Confused and disturbed, Mary tried to think what the angel could mean. So would you say confused with me? Confused. Say disturbed. Okay, she's confused and disturbed. Say it. Confused. That's an understatement. This is the beginning of her confusion and being disturbed. And it continues on for the rest of her wild life. It is a ride that she can't think through or anticipate. And here's what I want to encourage you to do. Some of you might take me up on this. And if you do, great. If you're, this is too much for you, well, you're lost. Um, <laughs> would, you, would you mind reading the entire Gospel of Luke? And while you're reading the entire Gospel of Luke, before Christmas, by the way, the entire Gospel of Luke, try to see it through Mary's eyes. She has this child. And we're going to actually go into Christmas Eve how the delivery doesn't go the way she expects it to go. And the rest of her life raising this child does not go the way she expects it to go. It's just confusion and disturbed all the way through her entire life. I want you to see that because this wild ride is wild from this point forward, which is typical when you get pregnant. It's not over when you get pregnant. It just begins. Wild and crazy ride. So <clears throat> I have some of these control issues that I thought I had kind of mastered pretty well, and now I'm thinking I really ought to ask Santa for this gift. I'm looking for this plaque. As long as everything is exactly the way I want it, I'm totally flexible. How many of you can identify with that? That is so me. Maybe it's you too. As long as everything is exactly the way I want it to be, I am totally flexible. So here's what I discovered, even as I'm getting ready for this, this message. It's like, I've been married almost 37 years, and it's like, I'm, I thought I didn't have control issues, but I, like, I, I'm getting worse. <laughs> I still interrupt over and over. And now I don't even notice. And like, <laughs> she'll be talking, and I know her so well, she'll, if she pauses too long, I'll finish her sentence. Is that control or what? I'm taking over her sentence. And then, I love it when we get together with, 
with friends and stuff. She loves to tell a particular story, and she's telling all about it. I want to take over her story. I love to tell stories. I want to take over the story. It's like, oh, crud. I have it bad. And then while I was preparing this, I never even thought about this before. I thought, you know... Um, we could talk about control and image management, how we'd like to really control what people think of us by social media, but I don't do social media until I realize I'm worse than that. I walked in front of a mirror, and in walking in front of a mirror, it's like, I don't even know I do this. I control my own image for me to see. I, I come in front of the mirror, and I go automatically, like subconsciously, I suck in my gut. It's like nobody else is even looking. I'm like image managing for my own I'm controlling what I think about me. <laughs> this is crazy. It's like I have this slouching pouching that takes place, and I never see it until there's a mirror. It's like all of you have seen the slouching pouching, but it's like, <laughs> it's like total image management. And I can't control what you think of me, but I'm even trying to control what I think of me. That's bad. <laughs> And maybe, maybe you've had the experience where, um, and I've had this experience, if you haven't yet, I'll pray for you, (laughs) where your child suddenly becomes a teenager with a driver's permit. Are you kidding me? So I've been through this twice. I survived, and you will too. It's like, how do you give up that kind of control? It's like, okay, here's the keys. Here's my life. I'm getting in the car. Did you realize there's no brakes on that side? And there's no steering wheel? It's like, are you kidding me? So it's like, as I look back, I think, whoa, I was so controlling over that. It's like, I'm not going to let her drive me on a road for the first time. We're taking this thing to a large parking lot, totally open, and I'm going to control how far she drives that first gas pedal moment and how far before she puts on the brake. I'm going to tell her what to do. By the way, I would recommend it. All right. So over those kind of control issues and more, let's talk through some solutions. So if you're the kind of person that likes to write down stuff, this is the moment. Point number one, here's where you need to start. Recognize what you can't control. I just learned that Christmas Eve, it's supposed to rain. I'm trying to figure out how to control that because we we have four services here. Really, you can't control weather. The fact of the matter is I can't control my heartbeat. I don't even know if I'll be alive on Christmas Eve. Right? I mean, how how much can you control? Recognize what you can't control. And so you can't control your teenager when they get their driver's permit. You can't even control your teenager before their driver's permit. You're in the same car and you have a relationship and you're going for a ride because you're their parent, right? And how much can you control that? So we're we're in this ride called the story of life together and controlling them. Some of you kids are really glad that your parents are listening right now. (laughs) It's like controlling them is not how it's gonna get better. So you can't control your circumstances. Whoa, I got it all plotted out. I got my five-year plan. Boom! Circumstance, unforeseen, changes your plan, right? You can't control what people think of you, and you certainly can't control God. And yet we want to, right? So recognize what you can't control. Point two, 
trust the one who is in control. Do you think that maybe trust is the issue? <laughs> I do. When it comes to freak out time, she just got a learner's permit, that's a trust issue. She's never driven before. And so I needed to get to the place where I begin to trust her driving more, start in the big parking lot, give her some successes and trust her more and more, practice parking, not around cars, cones, and right, work on that and trust her some more. And then after she gets really good at that, our first trip on a street from the parking lot to our house, freak time, right? <laughs> Building that trust. Trust the one who is in control. Some of you are having trouble with that where your God says, come on, you can trust me with your keys. Let me have the wheel. No, 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 no. I want to be in control of my life. I'm good with you in the car. I might need you. But don't you tell me where we're going. Don't you write my story. I want to write my story. I want you just as a safeguard so that I can get to heaven. I want you just as a, a fallback, just in case I get T-boned and I want to, help me, help me here. And Jesus is saying, wait, you don't trust me? Well, if that's the case, maybe we need to start in a parking lot where we begin to trust him a little bit and a little bit more and a little bit more. And then, okay, where are we going? Where are you taking me in this life? Back in the 19th century, there was a college student who I read about, that I think it's this story that led to another phrase that I think is often misunderstood. This college student was struggling with this whole control thing and trying to figure out how to let God have more. And so he, on a, six postcards, he wrote letters, and he put the six letters on the mantle, and this is what he wrote. L-E-T-G-O-D, let God. And so he was trying to go, let God have the reins. Let God have your life. Let God have more. And he was really struggling with it, and it was just sitting there as a reminder to him. His window was open, and a breeze blew up, and it knocked the D off the mantle. And he was, went to pick up the D and went to put it on the mantle, and he saw there was like a message from God. It says, let go. And I think that's where this phrase comes from. Maybe you've heard it too, and I've heard Christians use it over and over again. I, I never really get what they mean. They said, you know, you got to let... Let go and let God. You ever heard that phrase? I don't think it means what they think it means. I think people will say, yep, you got to let go and let God. I think they think it means this. Yeah, I really want to go from here to here, and this is where I want my life to go, but I, I know that he wants me to trust him and depend on him, so I'm going to pray about it so that he can get me there. Let go and let God. I don't think that's what it means. I think what it means is, Okay, you want to go there, and that's where you want to go? Let go. Why don't you see where God wants you to go? God is the author of your story. He has the authority. He's the creator. He has the authority of all creation. Jesus came, and then Jesus, as the Son of God, it says, received all authority in heaven and on earth, above the earth and beneath. He has all authority. And you know what that means? It means he has as the authority who made you, who created you, he is also the author. And as the author, he has the right to change your story if you'll give him the keys. 
But we want him, no, 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 no. I want my story to go this way, and I want you along. I want you in my life. I don't want you to drive my life. I want you in my life, but I want to, want, don't want to let you take me where you want me to go. I want to go over here. No. Let go and let God means I'm letting go of where I want to go. I want to go where you want me to go. Jesus gave us a supreme example of this in Luke chapter 22, verse 42. This is at Gethsemane. This is the night before he's crucified. He knows he's going to be crucified the very next morning. And he's agonizing with the Father, and he prays this prayer. Father, if you are willing, take this cup from me. Yet not my will, not where I want to go, not what I want, your will be done. He's wrestling with him. Is there any other way? Can we get this done some other way? And by the way, the answer is no. If we're going to save the world, this is the way. Some people think, oh, there's many ways to heaven. You can get this way, this way, this way, this way. And if that were true, why would God the Father not answer this prayer differently? He did not answer this prayer differently because this is the only way that a fully God, fully man person could take care of the curse that's in our lives, set us free, and in the new Adam, the new humanity, in union with him by trust, things can shift and change. God says, no, it's going to go this way tomorrow. This is the road. Jesus was in such agony, he's sweating drops of blood, Luke tells us which is actually a physical condition of stress, extreme stress that the doctors can tell you about. That's what it means to let go and let God. I'm going to do this your way. Think of Mary now. She says, let it be unto me according to your word. That's an older translation. Let it be unto me according to your word. Yes, I will be your servant. Let it be unto me according to your word. Now, after you read the whole book of Luke, apply this quote. The testing of our trust is often confusing. For her, it was confusing her entire motherhood raising Jesus to the point of his crucifixion. Nothing went like she expected it should go for the Messiah child. Nothing went the way she expected it to go, even through the crucifixion. It was confusing for a time but it leads to resurrection and life. Here's what I'm trying to say. If you'll trust the Most High with the keys to your story, he's going to write a better story than you ever could. That's trust. But you might want to start in the parking lot with God. You might want to see if he's trustworthy. Everything in this world says you have to make it happen. You have to take control. You have to make it happen. If you're ever going to go for success, you've got, there's nobody else. You're responsible. You do this, 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 you will get there. But Jesus says something completely different. Jesus says in John 15, 5, I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. Now, you may climb a ladder of success in this world. You may make a lot of money. You may arrive at a place where you feel like I'm happy and blessed and have everything that I ever dreamed of. But if you're doing it apart from Jesus, he said, it's all a loss. Your story is nothing 
no matter how successful you think it is, compared to the story if you would have trusted me. Here's another way he said it. In Matthew 10, 39, he says, if you cling to your life, if you insist on doing it your way and your life on your journey, the way you want it to go, you will lose the life that I have for you. It's much better if you'll trust me with this, but if you give up your life, you give up your life story for me to write the story I want for you, it'll change your world. It'll change you. It'll be stories of grace that have made differences for people around you for eternity, and they're going to be talking about it for ages to come. Would you give me your keys? Point number three. What are you trying to control that you need to surrender? What are you trying to control that you need to surrender? Mary did this intuitively and naturally and thought it was no big deal. She had a smaller Bible than mine. The New Testament wasn't written yet. But she completely trusted the teachings of Moses and the teachings of the prophets and the Old Testament words from God. And she put her life under the authority of God's revealed word. And so she was living her life under the authority of God's revealed word. I'm seeing that less and less today than ever before, even by those who are claiming to be followers of Jesus. It's like the authority of God's word is dropping. And what I want, what I understand, what I think is best is ruling. And people are starting to judge whether to believe this or not believe this or whether I don't understand that, so I'm going to choose this because I like this better. They pick and choose whatever teachers that they agree with, and you can find a teacher that will teach just about anything. And so you pick and choose the teachers you agree with and decide this is what it's all about. But Jesus is saying, wait, won't you abide with me and let my word abide in you? And if you do, then there's going to be some great alignment of what we're doing together in eternity. Don't just try to make it all about where you want to go. I want to take you somewhere. And I don't think that this really is a white-knuckle surrender where you white flag, I surrender. I think it's hupomeno. It's a Greek word for sub Mit. To hupo meno. Stay hupo under. And that's the challenge of our day. Now, I would suggest if you're, you can't believe that. It's just ancient. It's not right. I would suggest going to the parking lot and seeing, seeing if God is faithful seeing if he can take you places that are trustworthy, seeing if what he has to say really resonates with reality, seeing if history, that he was crucified in both the believing writers as well as the unbelieving writers wrote about his crucifixion, it took place. And then the explosion of the movement happened and see if there isn't something happened. And see if you can't get to the place where now you're driving with Jesus and okay about being someplace that's a little scarier, your own life, your own story. And now, what about this thing I want? Can I submit and surrender that? Your t- 
testing your trust. And only by stepping into trust will you prove he is trustworthy. Would you pray with me? Father God, we thank you for how you have revealed yourself in a relational way that we can get to know you personally and that you have expressions, whole paragraphs, sentences, pages, documents, history that we can check out. And Lord, we ask that you'd help us to get to that place where we might investigate and perhaps test being under, surrendered, submitting to you as a good driver. You've promised that you would give us a full measure of your joy. You've promised that you'd give us life to the full. You've promised that you'd take us to a destination that is forever and ever unending. We want to get there. We want to trust you. Help us in that. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. God bless you. Thank you for coming. Maybe you're carrying a load. This is a hard time to carry a load. We've got a prayer team to pray about just about anything. If you have lots of questions of, like a, in a message like this, we'd love to dialogue. It's probably going to be a dialogue to get to the place where you can trust Jesus with your life. But I believe he's completely trustworthy. Love to see you Christmas Eve. That's real soon. And I'd love to see you back next week as we finish this series. God bless you and Merry Christmas.